When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to On the Print with me, your host, Alex Doherty of A to Z Sports and Sean Smith of On the Forecheck, the show where we recap the Preds week, talk hockey, have a good time, discuss the big issues, debates life, debate life's meaning, and so forth. What is the meaning of life? Oh, you're asking me? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh... Oh, God. Oh, God, we failed. <laughs> We failed right off the bat. Thirty seconds into the show, I didn't know. I didn't know that was the topic of the show tonight. I was. I came prepared to talk about hockey games, and uh, you got all existential. Well, maybe that. Maybe that is the meaning of life. We have a lot to talk about with the the Nashville Predators. There's been a lot of games this week. Um, We are recording this one day after we normally record. We normally record on Sundays. We're here on a Monday recording because we both have lives and decided to do other things this weekend. But we still are devoted to the listeners and want to bring them hockey stuff. So we are here a day late and a dollar short bringing you the same show. So let's talk about it. We have several shows. I'm sorry. We have several games to recap. We got a lot of things to talk about. As you can see on the screen, if you're watching us on YouTube, we're probably going to talk Matt Duchesne. We might talk Tanner Janot. We might talk other things. Um, which, speaking of which, if we had not already mentioned that uh, in a previous show several times, uh, we are on SoundCloud, obviously. That is uh, that is how a lot of people listen to us, and we really appreciate all the people who've been listening to the show. But we are also on YouTube. So go to the A to Z Sports YouTube page, very easy to find, and look for the On the Preds show uh, there. So we have several shows already up. We've done four. Uh, you can find them and watch them there. You can see our beautiful faces. You can see our wonderful graphics. And even when we show video, you can see it there too. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, and But yes, of, of course, we've got a lot of ways to watch the show and listen to the show. So we appreciate everyone for, for doing that. Uh, Sean, we have four games to talk about. Do you want to uh, just jump right into it or what? Go ahead. Let's go. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to talk about hockey. Okay. Last Sunday... The, the Predators go to the Chicago go, go to Chicago. They go to the United Center, and Jeremy Colleton is Colligan. They fired Jeremy Colleton, and I don't even know the name of the interim guy, Dave King or something. Is that right? That's doesn't matter. Greg Greg Adams, something. Greg Johnson, Kevin, something like that. Uh, so the Blackhawks fire their coach, and amid just a terrible start, and this was honestly. But I honestly thought this was kind of a dangerous game for the Preds because you get that dead cat bounce situation, sort of rallying the wagons. the the um, the the team The team is you know without their coaches, so they just kind of play looser. You know, they don't have to impress anybody. They're not worried about anything. They're just like, well, the worst has happened, so uh, we're we're already there. Whatever you want to call it, this game was bound to be a strange one, and it was. Brandon Hagel puts the Chicago Blackhawks up one nothing. Alex Kyrie gets his first goal of the year. First goal of the year? Is that right? Yeah, first yes. goal of the year. 
he goes to the net, ties it up. But then Kevin Lankinen and UC Soros dig in and uh, keep both teams off the board until overtime when Alex Dabrinkit wins it in overtime. Two to one is the final. Chicago just earns their second win in 13 games at the time. Let's bypass that game for a second. We may talk about it in a second, but let's go straight to Dallas because I think that the Dallas game is probably more important, uh, especially because the Predators won. The Predators go into Dallas. First look at the new Dallas Stars team until uh, since the Winter Classic. Um, and uh, Nashville really needed to get a win after that Chicago game. As you'd expect from a game played in Texas, the Preds came out with guns a-blazing. Ryan Johansson, Tanner Janot, they connect on a two-on-one in transition. A beautiful play for both forwards, really. Who, who they, that was the first time we've seen them paired up, and and we are, they are still paired up. It's working. Uh, Tanner Janot blows by Ryan, not better than Yossi Suter, and that makes it 2-0. Then Matthew Shane scores his sixth goal to make it 3-0, and the Stars would answer uh, on two goals in the second and third, but Colton Systems floats an empty netter down the ice to seal it. 4-2 is the final. The Preds win. Okay. Sean, what do you want to talk about with these two these two games? You want to talk about Chicago or Dallas first? Well, just can I just say I want to follow up on something about Chicago because on the last episode we talked about this because we I think I got really cocky um, if I recall about how I was pretty sure the Predators were going to win the game. The reason being uh, that you you mentioned that you know well you know sometimes situations like this teams can you know really show out and yeah you, you felt like the Blackhawks would probably win this one and I was like no there's no way because when the Predators got rid of Laviolette they had that one game against yeah. the Bruins and they got blown out really hard it's, that's probably what's going to happen where the Predators are going to go and blow out the Blackhawks and I was wrong which is not a thing. I like to say very often, but <laughs> I was definitely wrong about it. Um, although I, you know, I, I'll in the absence of just an onslaught of scoring, something I really do enjoy is a really good goalie battle, and at least we got to see that. If nothing yeah. else, um, I was very happy. I, you know, I have been impressed with Lankinen quite a bit. I've enjoyed watching him play. I got to see him play in person last season. Um, sat really close to the net at one of the games. And I, I, I'm impressed with the guy. I think he's a good goaltender. I don't like saying a lot of positive things about Chicago, but I will say that. Um, and I, I'll say, too, um, my daughter asked if she could stay up and watch the end of the game and immediately got interested in something else. And as soon as Debrinkit scored, we decided it was 100% her fault because she lied oh, wow. about wanting to watch the game. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I want to watch the game. And next thing you know, she's doing something else. Game's over. Hundred percent, my daughter's fault. So, mm. well, yeah. I, I think I think that the the overtime, you know, overtime is always tricky. You know, you never know what's going to happen there. The Predators have been actually a pretty decent overtime team recently. I mean, the last couple of years, they last maybe the last three years, they've been they've been pretty decent. Um, but and also, I don't I don't actually know. I haven't looked at any at any numbers to show like how teams do. Um, either in interim coach situations or in, especially after their immediate firing. I just was basing that on, on some things that I had seen in the past where teams that uh, have a lot of skill tend to kind of just relax a little bit. I think the yeah. issue with the predators, when they were in that situation with Laviolette, like they were just, they, they were beaten down like mentally. Um, they didn't have a ton of skill at that point. Like they were not a very skilled team. I don't even think they were as skilled as the Chicago Blackhawks team. Um, yeah. 
So, yeah, anyways. But I, I think the Dallas game really says more because I think that the real competition for this this Predators team this whole season is going to be a team like Dallas because yeah. I think the cream of the crop in the Central Division are is St. Louis, Minnesota. Uh, I think those are the top two teams. And then after that, I think it's Dallas, Nashville, Winnipeg. And then I think Chicago and then uh, and then Arizona. And I think I'm forgetting a team there. I don't know why I've forgotten a team that's in the Central Division. Uh, have I forgotten a team? I don't even know who I mentioned. Chicago? Uh, I forgot about Colorado. Colorado is oh. the top team. Yeah, Colorado. Yeah. The top. Mm-hmm. Predators haven't played them yet. So, uh, mm-hmm. But you know, definitely Colorado is with the top three. Minnesota, St. Louis, Colorado, top three. Then it's Dallas, Nashville, um, and uh, Winnipeg. And then Chicago and Arizona, and Arizona probably probably last. Okay, so in Dallas, I think the best thing that I saw was, and I wrote about this. Um, I, I think we are finally seeing John Hines using that transition counterattacking scoring approach. He talked about that a lot, and when he first got here, <clears throat> and you've seen some of it. But it's a it, the, the way that he sets up his team defensively, it does leave some counterattacks open, and he needs those forwards to really get out on the counterattack. And, and you, that's why you see players like Phil Forsberg and Matthew Shane being successful in that. Um, we're going to look at a video here in a minute of that. But um, the Dallas game was great. I mean, like they they they, they had to they had to kind of hunker down in the in the final third period of that. But I, I really thought that they 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 played well in that overall, and then it, it definitely led to a good performance the next night in St. Louis too. I don't, I don't remember exactly what, what we had kind of said. I don't know that we had talked about it on the show, but I know on social media, there'd been a lot of discussion about that line with Johansson and Janot on it and Tomasino for that matter. Um, And I'll tell you at this point, a lot's been said about it because it has been a few games, but there's a certain, I don't know, reinvigoration that's happened with Johansson um, on that line. And I think if you look back on all the things we've been saying since before the season started, you need to see Johansson be a willful skater. You need to see him be able to go out and assert his will on the ice and, and kind of lead things the way they need to be led in that fashion. You would have seen, say, gosh, back in the postseason of 2017, um, I think you're seeing that. And I, I, I'm really glad. I don't know if you can say it's necessarily because of his line mates, because he's, he's been playing with very good line mates for a long time, but it's almost like the youth has come and reinvigorated him and, and brought him back to where he was five seasons ago. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the ride. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Johansson seems, seems focused. He seems, um, you know, I think there's been a lot of things happened uh, for him over the last few years that, have not been not been great and he's sort of moving out of that and 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 maturing and getting past it so uh that's it's great to see and i i think that's that's got to be good for for predators fans to see that uh another guy that's playing well i mean just for a lot of reasons is matt duchene and i want to look at this goal right here this was in the uh in the dallas game and this kind of talks about what um what I mentioned about the counterattack and about the transition game. So let's take a look at this goal. This is Matthew Shane's goal in transition uh, against Dallas on Tuesday. Ruffle across the line, tried to flip it to Como. Benning got back to intercept. 
And now numbers for Nashville. It's Duchesne. He's got help. But cutting Yossi, he shoots. He scores. So that starts with a two-on-one for Dallas. I'm not two-on-one, but a, a, an attack for Dallas that gets thwarted by the by Matt Benning uh, and Borowiecki, and then they immediately stretch past it up the ice. They know that they've got Tanner Janot. I'm sorry, um, Novak. Novak? Yeah, Novak. Um, <clears throat> I think it was a line change. But anyways, uh, but he, he gets it to Duchesne, uh, and then he immediately gets over the ice and then uh, shoots one. Really nice shot uh, to get that to get that goal going. Um, I think that's a huge part of this team right now. I think that 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 might be their strength. If I'm if I'm listing out their strengths, that might be one of them is the ability to counterattack and and quickly capitalize when there's a defensive play at one end and going down the ice and scoring. But is isn't that something that we've seen the team working on ever since John Hines has come on board? I'm talking and I'm not talking about in games. I'm talking about preseason practice every chance in between that's been a scheme that he's been trying to get ingrained into the fabric of this predators team to say know, this is what we're going I know to I've do seen him, i know i've seen him working on it yeah and I, i'm talking piece by piece it's mm-hmm. not we're going to practice this long extended play the first time it's let's work on how to stop this down in the in the defensive zone and then we're going to work on how i want everybody to respond going down the ice through the through the neutral zone and then how to set it up in the offensive zone. And you've you've seen that develop over the past year and a half. Or I've lost track of time, honestly, but you've seen that develop over the however long Hines has been with the team to where they're putting all of that together. And you'd see flashes of it. You'd see, you know, somebody make a good defensive stop and then get the puck out. But the whoever was supposed to be ready to take it up the ice wasn't there. And as time's gone on, and we've talked about Hines getting his system in place for a very long time now, but this is what I think is the the cornerstone of his system for the team. And you're starting to see it really pay off on the ice. And like you said, it's become, you know, mm-hmm. this is what this is their strength. And it's really hard to stop them when they're pulling this off the right way. And you saw it in that clip right there. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. It, it, it's great to see um, a lot of that coming together, and the other lines are doing that too. Not to not not um, not finishing in the same way. You know, I, I don't think you've seen. I mean, a lot. There's not there's not a single uh, forward line, in my opinion, that that looks bad on the ice. I mean, there's some that are just more productive than others. <clears throat> um, but let's go to the next two games because we had two more games to talk about this week for the Predators. Uh, the the they get the win in Dallas, four to two, and then. They go back to back in St. Louis. Now, this is a that is a tough back to back. I mean, there are a lot of tough back to backs, but Dallas and St. Louis, two big, physical, heavy, fast teams, just that's got to be really hard. And then this is the first time we get to see David Riddick. So, back to back game going from Texas to Missouri. David Riddick gets his first start for Nashville. He he had to deal with Jordan Cairo early, who kind of had his number. I mean, that Jordan mm. Cairo is pretty good, and he fires two wrist shots home to make it two nothing. Blues lead late in the first. At this point, you're thinking, well, they got the win in Dallas. They're going to get a loss here in St. Louis. But, man, the Predators just, they rally, and they get back into the game quickly, too. And early in the second period, Nashville answers. Matthew Shane scores. The feed from Cunning off the entry just set it up perfectly. He scores right from the slot. I mean, just a a great look and a great shot, a great finish. Uh, But the St. Louis native – who I did not know was from St. Louis. Luke Cunning from nearby, um, I forget the name of the town, but he's, he's basically like greater St. Louis. Um, 
he wasn't done. He gets his second goal of the year seven minutes later. And this time it was Matthew Shane's setup that was absolutely perfect. We're going to look at that in a second. Um, it was a backhand, no look pass to Cunning in the slot. He slips it by Jordan Bennington. Really nice play. Jakob Trennan gets it, uh, gets his first goal of the year. Tarasenko answers on a crazy weird angle. Mm-hmm. And then we go to overtime. Uh, who none other than Matthew Shane, who should only be handled with oven mitts at this point because he's just so hot. Oh. Scores on a Grandland feed to win it. Four to three overtime win for the Predators. Let's go back and look at this goal by Matthew Shane. And then I also want to talk about what he said after the game uh, based on a question that I asked him. But uh, here's what's funny about this clip I'm about to show you. Uh, this was incidental. Actually, you know what? Scratch that. I want to show this other goal first. We'll show the first Duchesne goal, and then we'll show this pass. Let's look at the first Duchesne goal. This was to get the Predators back in the game. Goes around the boards. Little chip pass right there, so a slow start for the Blues to get going. You need some backside pressure right here, and you can see that little move that catches Colton Pareko off guard. Pareko's footwork right here goes to one side, and then that opens the... So you may notice that that is the Blues call. That is the Blues... um broadcasting um and then for this next clip you'll notice that as well because they are talking about something else entirely which is kind of fun on that goal all i see is more transition i see luke cunning finding matt duchene streaking down the ice i see mikhail granlin making a controlled zone entry all great things to see so really nice goal uh let's look at this next play so this is the pass that duchene had to cunning uh the Blues broadcast team only is, is playing this to show something else entirely, which I think is really funny. But it gave us a really close-up look at the, the pass. So let's take a look. I want to show you what happens here. Like, stop it here if we can. And you can see the, the amount of sticks there. The stick of the goaltender, Jordan Binton, gets flared out because of the stick and the confusion there. Now he can't get it back. Stop it there again. And now you see what happens. That stick just can't get back in position. It was all a result. <laughs> I love I loved that because they freeze it right as Duchesne is about yeah. to make that pass. And it just worked out perfectly. Well, it's like, look, about, what? it's like, look at this. Look at this minor thing that happens in the back. Meanwhile, there's just magnificence going on in the foreground. Yeah, that's Darren Pang that's doing that. He's a blues homer. I mean, he always has been. He's he's the Chris Mason of their broadcast team. It's fine. I mean, it it makes sense. But uh, he was, like, talking about some stick contact, and the the, the stick contact made it so that Bennington couldn't get over. Meanwhile, there's a no-look backhand pass right in the slot. Not, like, a perfect pass. It wasn't, like, on the tape or anything, but it was, like, I mean, as good as you can make that kind of pass. Uh, happening in the foreground, it was that was just so funny to me. But it's a good pass. Uh, I I think you've seen a few. If I if I think back over the past few seasons, you've seen a couple of passes like that down in front of the net or across, like straight in front of the crease, that have paid off. I remember Yossi had a really nice one a couple of seasons ago, and I've got to say, it may not have been. Yeah. directly on the tape but man when you when somebody i don't even care if it's somebody on the predators but when someone pulls off a pass like that you've got to watch it over and over again because it's beautiful <clears throat> he knew he was there yeah yeah it's like that's that's such an impossible play to make I, it's, it's crazy to me to watch that okay the last thing i want to show for this this goal i'm sorry for this game is uh matthew shane after the game so 
at this point, he had scored his eighth goal or his seventh goal. Did he have two against Arizona? Uh, I think that's right. No, he had he had one against Arizona. So, uh, yeah, that's right. So he, this was his eighth goal. He scored eight goals at this point, like 13 games in, four, 14 games in. And, uh, I mean, it's just – it's been such a great start for him. Uh, I asked him after the game, I said, you know, do you feel like you are – playing differently than last year because the reason I was asking this is because, you know, if you go back and look at some of the advanced stats for Matthew Shane last year, he really was playing fine. He didn't have good line mates. You know, he's playing with Brad Richardson, Callie Yarncroke, Nick Cousins all year. Um, He eventually got the Forsberg and and Grandland more. He got more of them, but he had to go through a lot to get there. Um, So, I just kind of had this feeling like, you know, does he feel like he's playing anything any any different? Does he feel like he's he's doing anything different or is he just getting the bounces and he has better line mates? Of course, he's not going to ever say he has better line mates. That's not he's not going to say that. I wasn't expecting that either. Uh, but here was his response. I thought this was interesting. Um the audio is a little soft, but you should be able to hear it. Absolutely. Um I really haven't changed anything really in terms of my approach, my mentality. Um you know, I just trying to get better and, you know, I'm trying to shoot more, that's for sure. But I'm also getting more, you know, looks and um, I, yeah, it feels good. I mean, I've preached it, I've been asked about lack of production for a million times the last few years. And I've preached over and over that, you know, the, the if the habits are there, eventually it'll go. So it's nice to be rewarded. And the big thing for me is, I'm, you know, I, I'm not satisfied at all. I just want to keep going and um, keep helping this team win. And that's the most important thing. And, you know, you score in losses, it doesn't mean nearly as much as when you score in wins and help a team win. So he doesn't think that he's really changed anything in his approach and mentality. Um, I, I, I think that that's probably true. I just also think he's probably also not playing that much differently. He's just getting the better shots off because he's got better line mates. Yeah, you know, we talked about this on the last episode, and I think we were saying, you know, look, his numbers last season weren't bad if you look at the advanced stuff. And I, I, I'm not the stats guy by any means, but I trust in my stats people, whether it's you, whether it's anyone over it on the forecheck to, to tell me what's really going on. If, you know, I don't see Duchesne producing and all of you, Alex, and if Brian or Kate or anybody over it on the forecheck says, you know, it's, it's, he's doing everything he's supposed to do. He's just not finding the back of the net. I'm going to believe them on that. And I think it's interesting that we had just had that conversation on last Sunday about, you know, if he, he's not doing anything, like his numbers don't look astoundingly different. It's all sustainable. Um, if he keeps this up, then he can keep it up. It's not, it shouldn't be something that suddenly, he digresses on because his shots go down or, or something like that. So when these goals start happening, after we have that conversation, I was, I was in on that media call too. And I, I figured you were going to ask something like that. And I was really going to say, you know, if you were going to ask something like that, I would. So I'm glad you got to it because you worded it a lot better. And, you know, really his answer didn't surprise me either because like he said, he's been asked about the lack of production for a long time. Um, it's hard to explain why you're not producing when you're doing everything you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I, I know this is what you're leading into, but you did ask the follow up with Heinz, which I also yeah. thought was very interesting. So, yeah, it, I, I don't have that pulled up. His answer is a little longer. 
And I, I kind of got worried. I think he may have misunderstood my question because I think he, I think he heard it like I said. So I asked Hines if if he thought Matt Duchesne was playing better, and that's not really what Duchesne said. He he, he said he said he had a different approach, and that's kind of differently how I I might I may have worded it strangely when I asked John Hines. So I, I'm not going to play that that audio. But 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 basically Hines did say that he does think Duchesne is playing um, a, a better. He said he has he has. His, he's playing with more, you know, completeness. He's playing, he's playing better. He's playing faster. He's playing, uh, um, you know, a more all-around game. He's playing better defensively. Like Hines he, he, was ba- ba- basically disagreed with uh, anything Duchesne would have said about, uh, yeah. about not playing any different from last year. But then I went back and listened to it, and Duchesne actually was just saying his approach is the same, his mentality is the same. He probably would say, "Yes, I'm playing better this year." I think he would agree. So. Yeah, but Hines said, I think he's just being humble. And yes, I did say that. I mean, it's the same thing. Just like you're going to not say that you have better line mates, you're also not, you know, going to say, like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm a thousand times better. You know, you're going to say, well, you know, I've been keeping my head down and doing what I'm supposed to do. But I, I'd be willing to say, you know, Duchesne probably worked his butt off this offseason. And to make sure there's nothing that my game's going to lack that they're going to be able to point to and say, you didn't do this thing, and that's why your numbers are low. Yeah. Um, are you there? Yeah. Oh, what what we happened? Had, we had a brief, a brief moment, a frozen oh. moment there. That was crazy. Sorry. Uh, no, yeah, I, I, I agree there, and uh, I think that's that was that was key. So. I think Duchesne um, will be. It'll be great to see if he can continue this. I did some numbers today. Um, he has to score 26 goals in the final 67 games in order to break the the single season goals record set by Victor Arvidsson a few years ago. <clears throat> he could do it. His career average is not that high, but he could do it if he keeps playing like this. So um, if his if his shot volume is there, if his uh, expected goals percentage is there. Um, he can, he can definitely do it. So, um, let's talk a little bit about this Arizona game. I actually don't want to talk a lot about it because I think it's a little tricky to assess this one. Um, real quick recap, the Arizona Coyotes look terrible. I mean, they just, yeah. they don't look very good. And they were starting a rookie goalie in Vejmelka. I think that's how you say that. Um, and the Preds took full advantage, but Honestly, it, they, they don't do that often enough. They don't take advantage of, of beating a, an inferior opponent like that. But so it's still a nice win. Duchesne, again, please do not handle Duchesne without proper protection. And please keep out of reach of children. Scores his ninth goal of the year. Roman Yossi does the stick handling on that one. Roman, this this game was a good candidate for Roman Yossi highlight reel. There's, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, Roman, he would continue his dominance on the power play. He just absolutely destroyed a puck on the right side there to make it two nothing. Uh, Vishmelka just really wasn't good. He was pretty overwhelmed. You saw that on the Granlin goal to make it three, nothing just kind of bad later. They were the, the Roman Yossi goal where he had the breakaway. He got the rebound and banked it in off of Vishmelka. Like, man, that poor guy, he just had a bad night. So, um, Four to one win for the Prince. Um, there was one thing that happened I, I, and I actually didn't watch a, a lot of it, but, what happened with the the, the Borbietsky thing? Uh, so it was uh, it was knee to knee. It was was the issue, um, okay. and I I don't remember the name of the player that that he hit, but um, it looks like they went knee to knee. It looked like uh, to me, and again, I'm sure people will spew their hatred toward me, 
It's fine. Um, I'm used to that. But here's the thing. To me, it looked like he was braced, like he was getting ready to, to hit the guy. The guy tried to get out of the way, and they ended up hitting, knocking each other in the knee. The other dude went down. Um, you know, And, of course, Borowiecki's then forced to uh, answer the bell. Somebody coming to his defense. They fight. Um, you know, a lot of penalties. He's out of the game, obviously, and a lot of people are saying, oh, there's going to be some – um, supplemental discipline coming, but then of course, no supplemental discipline comes. And some yeah. people, even, even predators fans are saying, I don't understand why there's, why there's not anything else happening, but uh, you know, realistically you had to sit out an entire game team had to play, you know, <laughs> a man down for a while. So mm-hmm. uh, sounds to I me don't... like, sounds to me like they went with, they just went with the, you already served the, the game. You already got the in game punishment. Yeah. So, I just, I mean, if he had meant to do it, he was like, I'm going to take this dude's knee out. I think it'd be a little different, but I, I don't think, again, direct your hatred toward me, preferably on Twitter. Um, but <laughs> I know a lot of people, a lot of people, um, well, I, I think in terms of the on ice discipline for, for stuff that's happening on the ice, I think the NHL does a decent job. I, I think the, here's a here at the very least they do this. They give you very clear uh, standards on what they look for. They look for, you know, does this does this player have previous suspensions? Is there is there intent? Was there a penalty? And was there an injury on the play? All that stuff. They take into account all of that, and then they they use that and, and they make a determination. I mean, I, I don't I don't think there's too many cases that I've seen. I've seen far more cases that that the suspension makes sense then the suspension doesn't make sense or there wasn't a suspension. Now there have been a couple times where a guy didn't even get a hearing and I thought he should have that I've been kind of confused by that. But I mean, I'd say they probably get it right 60% of the time, which is like just enough to stay above water. Yeah. Um, and may, maybe, maybe it should be more like 80 or a hundred, but you're just not going to have that. You're not going to have everyone agree. No, and I think they did have a hearing. I think it was uh, you know over the phone, but okay, there there was they did have a discussion at some right. point. Okay. Um, you know, uh, for me, your number's probably about accurate. You know, probably about sixty percent. But I, I, you have to remember too that a lot of times when that happens, you know, I I know that myself when I believe it was Niederreiter hit Soros in the head um, oh, last yeah. season, I was I was ready to for, you know, let's drive to Carolina and handle business. Like I, I was ready to go. There's a lot of uh, emotion that gets wrapped up in that. And so I think when people are, are calling for suspensions and calling for all of these things, it's, it's probably the result of just passion and not so much looking at things realistically and, and full disclosure. Um, I was camping this weekend. I listened to this game on the radio. Um, okay. I, I heard about the penalty. I watched it on Twitter. I was able to at least see highlights and things like that. But um, when I looked at it, I was like, everybody was really freaking out about this. And it, it looked accidental. Okay. That was my initial take. But I don't know. That, that seems to be the way that it's come out in the wash. But some people are yeah. still upset about it. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing is I think that they really they, – they have started um, – emphasizing the headshots and the upper body stuff and less on the, the uh, lower body stuff. So you know, if it'd been, even if it had been like an elbow and it had been up high, it, it, maybe there had been, there would have been a suspension, but 
Needing knees bad. I mean, you can end guys' careers that way. I just, I don't, I don't know that it, it was really that bad. So the Preds get a win there, um, which, which was again, like I said, it's not a, it's not a, um, it really doesn't tell you much about them because Arizona is pretty bad. It just tells you they're better in Arizona, which doesn't say much. You know, but the Predators are nine, five, and one. They have nineteen points. They're sitting in third place in the Central. That is, I mean, I think that they've been right around that area. Uh, pretty much ever since the season began, and I would not be shocked if they pretty much stay right there all season long. So I want to talk about this. We, we need to figure out – we'll, we'll actually kind of flip-flop these topics. We'll talk about this first, and then we'll go to Roman Yossi. I, I, I really don't know what the Predators are really good at and really bad at right now. I, I, um, in a lot of ways, that's a good thing. You know, You're not very obviously bad at one thing. Um, but you're not great at anything either. Um, I just real quick, I, I brought up some some stats on the team overall. They are 19th in scoring, so a little bit below average. They're eighth in goals allowed, so definitely above average in that. Um, fifth in power play, uh, crazy stat there. I wouldn't be shocked if it goes down, but right now they're fifth. That's pretty good. 21st in PK, um, definitely need that to be better. Um, and then in the advanced stats, you know, they're, they're uh, pretty not, they're not great in the advanced stats. I mean, like they're not great at getting uh, shot attempts off. They're not great at getting high danger shot attempts off but their expected goals are still pretty good. Their shooting percentage is you know, above average. Their save percentage is above average. Um, so given all that, what, what do you think? And you don't have to go off of anything I just said, you can pick whatever you want, but what, what do you think the Preds are actually, what, what is the best aspect of their game right now? I'm I'm going to answer that um, in a very. I'm going to answer this two ways. Okay, first way is going to be very. Uh, I don't know what the right word is, but I'm going to say that what what are they the best at right now? Playing with passion, playing hey. with heart, Alex. That's what they're good at. Yeah. Is they have found something that works as a team and in the locker room, and they're playing for each other. And it's not necessarily this. This isn't a stat you can you can put and quantify and measure and compare against other teams. But this team is number one. They're having fun playing hockey, and number yeah. two, they're playing hockey for each other. And that what's funny is that's also something Hines has said from day one. He wants them to play for each other. They brought Dan Hino in because they thought he would be good with the players because he's. He's younger. He's uh, he's recently retired. He's been around excellence. And he thought that they, that would be a great ingredient in bringing that team closer together. And I, I think it's working. That being said, the other thing, I, if you want me to be a little more serious about what they're the best at, I think for a team that wants to play a big, heavy, grinding game, they will beat you in transition. And I think that's been more of a surprise to me. And when you look at what you were talking about earlier is getting those defensive stops and getting the puck up the zone. They're doing that really well. Yeah. Um, that's not what I would expect to see from a team that wants to grind the other team down and wear them down and wear them out. That's and what I think they're the best at. I think that, I think the stats bear that out. You know, if, if you look at it, think about it, they're, they're not getting a ton of shots off. Are they, are they, you know, I mean, they're getting a decent number of shots off, but they're not getting a ton of them off. But the ones they're getting off are usually pretty good. Uh, that usually happens in transition. I mean, like they, they have a they have a better chance of getting some some quality shots. They, they have a, a not as good of a chance allowing shots 
or I'm sorry, they have not as good of a chance to get quality shots when the other team is able to get set up in their zone and then they usually lose possession. So like that doesn't work. That's the Peter Laviolette model. That, that, that's what, that's what broke down at the end of the Laviolette era. But what you said about the, the, the passion, I I would put it a different way. I would put it slightly different, but I think it's kind of the same idea. I I think there's a lot of buy-in right now. Mm. I think that, I think that locker room, they really like playing with each other. They like what John Hines is allowing them to do. And there's young guys that have a role. There's veteran guys that have a, a, a an ability to lead and they're, they're playing with confidence. There's a lot of buy-in in that locker room. And I think that's that's probably the best thing going for them. Yeah. You know, um, I, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I was thinking, though, you know, you talk about young guys having a role. And it's interesting you phrase it that way because you've always seen – the, the players come up from Milwaukee or, or younger guys, rookies come in and, and fill in. And I think that's always been fun, but you're definitely right. You're seeing these young guys come in and be a part of an identity line or be someone that's going to make things happen, um, you know, defensively, like with Carrier. Uh, he's plugged in, he's playing, he's doing everything he needs to do to make an impact on the ice, as opposed to you're going to be here for a couple of games and, you know, just do your best. Uh, I think you see the veterans play for those guys. And we've always, I think it's always been interesting that whenever we talk to Colton Sissons, we always kind of talk about him going from being the younger guy on the team to being one of the older guys and mentoring guys on the team. But I think you're starting to see that with a lot more of the players that have been there for a while than just someone like Sissons. I think you see that out of Johansson. I think that's what's going on with that line. And that does. There's a lot more buy-in from these guys because they're, mm-hmm. like I said, playing for each other. But yeah. it, it all it all works in together, right? Certainly, yeah. Um, in terms of what they're worst at, uh, there's there's probably a couple of options. You know, they're they're none of these none of these things I'm about to mention are they bad bad at? But they you know they they could be better on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Um, they could uh, they could be more consistent about getting high danger shots. They could be a little bit more, you know, depth scoring, of course, you know, they could have, they could have a little bit more um, of a straight up defensive game where they are able to just control the neutral ice and control the middle of the ice all the time. I mean, they, they do a pretty good job of that, but it's not, it's not every, every time. And there were times when that Dallas game end of that game, man, they, Dallas was just running all over them it's just all over the place and they just they were able to turn away shots um another thing we should mention is uc saros is having a, a great year i mean he's so far he's been really really good um so that's another area of their game that's well it, it's been going well so saros shout out he's been lights out i yeah. think you know we've talked a lot of people have talked about saros being a slow starter but i mean he's on point mm-hmm. and it's early for sure um Okay, let's talk about Roman Yossi for like just a couple minutes and then we'll, we'll wrap it up here. I, you know, Roman Yossi is probably in the favorite to be uh, the favorite right now to, to win the Norris Trophy. Just some quick numbers. He's leading, he tied for the lead in uh, points among defensemen, six goal, 10 assists. He got 16 points, 44 shots on goal, playing 25 15 a night, 14 penalty minutes. That's a little high for him. Uh, and, and eight of those uh, points are on the penalty. I'm sorry, on the power play. Adam Fox is his main competition. Interestingly enough, those are the last two North Trophy winners. 
Hmm. Um, Roman Yossi and Adam Fox. Quinn Hughes is kind of close after that. And then Kevin Shattenkirk. Kevin Shattenkirk is not winning the Norse Trophy this year. Um, but, I, I mean, right now, I, it's, it's definitely Roman Yossi's trophy to lose. Like, he, he is the guy right now that would win it, just based on how important he is to the team. Yeah. His defensive ability is huge, is great. His offense is, is there. Um, Roman Yossi could potentially win his second Norris trophy. What would that mean? That would be great. That would, you know, I think, I think it's fun to win a Norris trophy, but I think winning two is definitely validation that it wasn't just, you know, you're, you're establishing yourself, not just as someone who had an outstanding season, but someone who is consistently performing at a very high level. Um, Keep talking. I'm going to look up repeat Norris winners. I know at least a couple, but keep going. Okay. Look that up. And I think if you look at, I think it's something that has changed in the past couple of seasons, but typically you know, predators are not up for these awards at the end of the season. You don't see them winning them a lot. You know, Rene won the Vesna. Um, I think he won you know, King Clancy last season. Um, you know, but these these big awards for you know defending or scoring um, typically don't. You don't even see someone's name in consideration for them. So having a Norris winner, much less having someone repeat as a Norris winner, would be a yeah. huge deal. Did yeah, you find that? The the bigger the bigger names that have won recently, uh, it hasn't there hasn't been a ton of repeat winners recently. Um, I think Eric Carlson's lost to do it. Um, although, yeah, Duncan Keith has won two. Is that right, Duncan Keith? No, Duncan Keith's won one. Uh, but Bobby Orr is obviously the biggest name. That's on it, it's like Bobby Orr and Nicholas Lindstrom. Like those guys have won like a ton of awards. No. But um, yeah, it, it would be it would be quite a feat. Now he would be uh, he would he still has to have a you know a really nice uh, rest of the year. Yeah, uh, but he's he's got to be the favorite, right? So oh, I I agree. Yeah. So okay, let's wrap it up and talk about the week ahead. Now here's what's weird is we had some news come down uh, before we started the show about this about this week. Um, First, the Predators go to Toronto on Tuesday. That's tomorrow night. They play to the Toronto Maple Leafs in Toronto. That's going to be a tough game. Uh, Toronto is always tough. But then they were supposed to go to Ottawa on Thursday, but Ottawa has canceled or postponed right. um, all of their games this week because of a COVID breakout. I think like 10 players uh, uh, either tested positive or I don't know the details. They're but in the protocol. They're in protocol. Yeah. So they do not have a game Thursday. They were supposed to play in Ottawa Thursday night. They do not have one. Then they go to uh, Montreal on Saturday. So only two games this week. Kind of strange, right? I mean, it's supposed to be three, now they only have two. It's, it's strange. And there's a part of me that has to wonder, you know, if you kind of get into a rhythm, especially on a road trip, um, I wonder, is, it, is this something they're going to look at and say, hey, this is a good opportunity to rest up? Or is this something that's going to frustrate them by saying, oh, we're playing a game on Tuesday, then it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then finally another game on Saturday? When you're in the flow of the season, do you think it's more disruptive to have something like this happen than it would be to go ahead and play that game? I, I think the bigger disruption is that you had a chance to go get two points in Ottawa. <laughs> I mean, they'll, they'll get the chance again. They're, yeah. they're going to make it out. Right. Yeah. You'll, you'll get the chance again. But, 
you know, if it had been Toronto, if they had canceled the Toronto game or postponed the Toronto game, they could be like, yeah. oh, that Toronto's really good. Yeah. Um, you'd rather play that game. I, and I don't know if you know, any, we don't know anything about when it'll be played again. I'm, I'm assuming just later in the season. Um, so that's weird. Kind of strange situation there. Um, didn't think that was going to happen this year. I guess it's no. just uh, the way things are. Well, it's, you know, and I think what's most surprising about this is that the Canadian teams and Canada itself has been so strict about everything. Um, yeah. You know, really, I wasn't expecting that. And and I think, too, this this game, just switching back to Toronto, I believe the Predators were in Toronto, had the gear unloaded and in the locker rooms when the season was put on. Oh, yeah. That was the game that didn't happen. So that this is, the the, yeah, this is the first time that the Predators yeah. will see the Maple Leafs um, and, and not just see them, but see them in the place where they were sitting when the season yeah. got put on hold. That game, that game was canceled. I think that night was the night that if you watch the NBA, that's the night that Rudy Gobert touched all the, all the, um, yeah, did that. That was not good. Um, maybe that was the next night. It doesn't matter. It, we're, we're past that. That nightmare yeah. is over. Hopefully it's not the beginning of a new nightmare. Oh, man, I'm really tired of this stuff. Really, 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 really want it to be over. But, yeah. you know, we all do. So, um, okay, that that's going to do it. We, uh, we we breezed through that. I mean, we got we covered a lot of ground, talked a lot about um, some, some big wins this past week. And uh, some players that are really, really playing well. We'll see what happens uh, in, in the coming days tomorrow in Toronto and then Saturday in Montreal. So um, you can check out all of our hockey coverage at azsportsnational.com. And please also go to onthefourcheck.com as well. Read Sean and all of his friends there. Follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1. Follow Sean on Twitter at SCSOTF. Any final thoughts before we click done here? Yeah, I just I realized we... we didn't even mention the fact that Mikhail Granlin had a four-point game. Oh, yeah. He did, didn't he? Crazy. He, leads, he doesn't lead the team at points, does he? Um, he may. He they all have he 16. Does. Granlin, Yossi, and Duchesne all have 16 okay. points. But he, he had a four-point game, and then Yossi have won the next game, right? Two four-point games. and This was this Yossi's, Yossi's second four-point game this season? Wow. Is that right? That's I don't crazy. know. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, I don't know. It, it seems like from one night to the next, it's a different line yep. or a different grouping of players that kind of steps up and puts up big numbers. But two four-point games for Yossi, yeah. I, I would have hated if Mikhail was listening to this and he was like, they didn't even mention my four-point game. And I would feel really bad. <laughs> He's got finished things to think about. Exactly. Licorice. Oh, so much. <laughs> different kinds of soup uh, fish soups which fish soup he's gonna eat tonight yeah <clears throat> all right that's gonna do it for us thanks again thanks everybody and we'll see you next time